This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we are coming to you after the Port Vale game. And this is brought to you by Anything Is Possible AIP. Dot media and we are in the hat as they say in the FA Cup we went to Port Vale and we had a pretty resounding victory up at Vale Park a proper old school trip as people will say Port Vale 1 Brentford 4 and I'm sitting here after the match very happy that we're in the hat with my chums I've got Laney in the house Laney how are you? Yeah good mate yeah good to spend the day with you yesterday in the car it was a, a pleasant trip up pleasant game pleasant trip back so yeah mission accomplished good Good talking points. Lots to uh, lots to discuss. A lot of fringe players got a, got a run out, and uh, yeah, no, it's a positive afternoon, mate. Definitely, and we've got the Allard in the house as well. The Allard, how are you? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, good day yesterday. The game, you know, it was it was an entertaining FA Cup game. I don't think we always get that in the third round in recent years, and um, a beautiful day today as well. That's right, that's right. So listen, we're going to be talking today about the FA Cup game at Port Vale as well and also we're going to be looking forward to because they're coming thick and fast as we say to our match against Southampton on Tuesday night which was cancelled from December so it's going to be now on Tuesday so we're going to be cramming it all in and we're going to be using the weekend review format again on this uh, Port Vale game so we're going to crack right on so I'm going to ask you the Allard what were your main takeaways from that Port Vale game? Um, I think my, my main takeaway is I really like the FA Cup again um, I've gone from I've gone through quite a few years of, of finding it to be a bit of a pain at times, um, you know, because I guess we've always had the pressure on and we've been trying to get into the top, um, you know, the top two to get promoted and stuff like that, um, and that's been going on for years and years and years. But I, I I really thought it was a good FA Cup third round day yesterday, and, and we were part of it, playing in a pretty good game. That's right, that's right, lady. Your main takeaways. My main takeaway was I, I thought we looked Premier League. Um, I, you know, I've, I've I've had years of watching games against us take on kind of newbie Premier League or top flight teams and thinking, you know, there's something about them now that's become uh, good, like really good, strength in depth, quality, confidence. Uh, 
a bit of swagger um, and I thought we possessed all of that yesterday and yeah of course they, they had their moments you, you're going to it's a game between two decent football insides Port Vale had had a decent start to the season but I thought we always looked too strong and there was something about our squad yesterday the, the accumulation of some real talent there and not all of them had a great game but overall I thought we looked Premier League and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching us that good Yeah I mean and, and I mean, coming back to your point the LR it, def, FA Cup third round is really weird it's like it's definitely a it's a bit of a strange situation because you know when the the, the the draw was made and I look back and all these teams getting really excited teams that you know we used to be like you know teams that had to go through the first round and the second round and even these non-league teams like Boreham Wood and Kidderminster getting so excited for the third round and I just thought god this used to be us we used to love this day because you know we used to look forward to getting the big team and if we got a relatively big team it's such an exciting day out but now it's become a little bit of a kind of sort of a just, just kind of another date in the calendar that you just want to kind of get out of the way and sort of kind of, you know, probably from our elevation to a certain extent, it's really changed it. So, I mean, even myself and Laney, even though we had tickets for the game, we were still both in bed at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. Decide not, not, to, not together, not together. No, no, that's right. <laughs> no, no, definitely not together. <laughs> I'm trying to decide whether or not we were going to go to the game. And we weren't sure. I mean, I was on 5%. You know, my missus, you know, she said to me, what you I said, I'm 5% for this game. And then I went inside the shower, had a good old sing song. She came downstairs, saw me sort of dancing around the kitchen. She says, it looks like you've upped it to 95%, like, you know, I'm saying, a couple of hours later. So, yeah, it was one of those ones. But, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go because I was just thinking, you know, if I maybe should have a week off. But at the end of the day, I was actually like the Allard and like Lady says, really pleased that I went, you know, FA Cup, ground that I haven't been to for ages, little drink beforehand, sort of good chatting to opposition fans. And yeah, yeah, it was all, it's all good. I mean, my main takeaways, and I've got quite a few, is that I was just, you know, one of them is Ayer. I think he's imperative to the way that we play in the Premier League. And when he came back, he's just, you know, you just see what he's missing, you know, picking the ball up and literally he's in the, he's in the opposition penalty area. He's picking the runs up and he's just creating problems for people. You know, he's pulling players away, which actually frees up players up for other players who can actually kind of do things on the pitch. So he's a brilliant player. What other main takeaways for me? Bidstrup. I mean, he really has got something, you know, he had, a, he had a, I think he had a bad game in the League Cup once, which was, uh, I think they all had a bad game. Uh, the first half of the Forest Green game, I think it was, and it was like a little bit like, whoa, okay. But, you know, yesterday's game, it really shows that he's got something and he's really stepped up. And also Brian Mbumo as well. And it is Mbumo if the BBC Match of the Day commentator is listening to, not Mbumo or whatever that she said. I have got no idea what she said, you know what I'm saying? But it was she got it completely wrong, unfortunately. But these things happen sometimes. Brian Mbumo is a class act. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, those are my updates. It's, and it'd be interesting to see, you know, which of these players may, well, obviously Io will, but, you know, um, Bidstrup and also Finn Stevens as well also had a good day. But whether these players will fit into the first team, you know, coming soon. And we were talking about, you know, bringing in new players. We are talking about transfers. You know, we talked about Ericsson the other day saying that the Ericsson deal from what we heard wasn't on. And then we've heard a few days later, actually, there could be a question mark about Ericsson, whereas uh, there might be a change in plan. So, you know, all of a sudden it's like, where do these players on our B team, fit in where do players like Ericsson if we were to get him fit in you know there's a lot of questions being asked isn't there the Allard yeah I mean it's um it'd be it'd be interesting it would be interesting if we did sign him to see where where he fits in he probably fits in as sort of good Jensen maybe um because that's you know there is sort of there is skills he's 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 not dissimilar to Jensen um he'd probably you know given that if he came as an unproven 
Ericsson, he'd probably frustrate people because my recollection is he doesn't particularly like tackling either. Um, but but he's a very creative player, and um, he was uh, I noticed him very very early in his Tottenham career as being a a, a brilliant ball player. Um, he, he's a real you know he'll he'll get you moving. Um, he his passing is exceptional, and his set pieces are very good as well. And he and he shoots some set pieces, which. Um, which Jensen certainly doesn't. On the pitch yesterday, there was there was quite a few sort of standout performances from Beast players, wasn't there? Yeah, there, there was. Uh, there was, you know, Mads Bistrup. He seemed to have the, the unanimous kind of pat on the back from the Vale fans we spoke to afterwards and, and Brentford fans. He really did seize his opportunity, and that was just superb to watch. He was literally everywhere. Um, you know, blonde mop of hair, really, really stood out under the floodlights and in the yellow shirt, and it, it, he seemed to kind of um, be a magnet to the ball. He played some perfectly beautiful three balls as well, contributed to at least two of the goals, I think. Um, and yeah, it, it was a it was a, a faultless performance, and somewhat he's someone he can you know look back and, and say I I made full use of that opportunity. Um, a couple of others, um, you know, you mentioned Brian and Boomer coming on, um, recovering from an injury. He's he's he's, he's fit and raring to go, isn't he? Um, and I thought, yeah, uh, the goalkeeper, um, he looked he looked decent. So yeah, yeah. So plus is all over, really. I mean, there's a there's a couple that didn't really shine, but you know, I don't think you know it was that kind of match to kind of you know uh, slag them off, really. Yeah, that's right. So listen, I mean, just moving forward as well, you know. I mean, Brentford had a great game, but also it'll be interesting to hear what the opposition thought of the match. We're going to go over to Port Vale to get our opposition takeaway from Johnny from Ale and Vale podcast. Hi, lads. Um, just a review of yesterday's game now. I think um, overall it was a very good game. Brentford looked a very good side. Um, you can see that they drilled right through the team. Um, I think we were a bit too nice at times, um, especially for the first and third goal. Um, a proper defensive midfielder just trips one of your lads on the way through. Um, it's a horrible tackle, but you see Rodri, Fabinho, etc. doing it every week in the Premier League. So I think sometimes you've got to take that booking. Um, but we were on top for 15, 20 minutes um, and we probably should have should have got another. But overall, it was a, a good day. I thought quite disappointed by the attendance from Brentford with only 1,100 travelling, um, but the ones that did travel, they made they made a decent amount of noise, and I really liked the fact that after every goal that you scored, the players all went over each other and it showed a real com- like com- togetherness, um, and it showed that you're a proper side. So I think you showed respect to the FA Cup by playing playing the big lads that you, that you've got um, and. Just the Premier League quality showed. You're the striker that scored the hat trick. He, he cost more than our club, for example. So it's kind of like you, you appreciate that when when you see it. And there were three good goals. And I, ju- I just think overall it was a good game between two two decent sides. And Brentford are a shoe in to stay in the Premier League at least for me. Um, so yeah, that's where we go. I think the um, main bit. A mark for the atmosphere, I'd say it was about seven out of ten. Don't think that Brentford fans really made too much noise from where we were, but um, I think obviously it's it's, it's sometimes a little, a little difficult. So cheers for that, and uh, 
hopefully we'll play again soon. So that is Johnny from the Ale and Vale podcast, giving us the opposition main takeaways. Coming back to the game itself as well, from the Brentford perspective, the Brentford eye-catcher for you, Laney, who is that? Yeah, as I just said, Matt Bidstrup. Um, he he was everywhere. He was, you know, he's a, he was an eight and a half out of ten for me. Um, I, I don't think he put a foot wrong, um, and he's really cemented himself there as as a as a possible starter now. And you know, maybe, I don't think that will happen. Um, you know, he'd be on the subs bench still, but you know, it's, a, it's an example that we can look to that bench and know that we've got a player there that can come in and do a job and we, we know what kind of job that can be he, he showed a lot of creative flair um, his reading of the game was excellent and yeah Pat, Pat, he patting himself on the back I'm sure the manager was after the game that's right and for you the Ellards um, I, 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 back up, I back that up um, but I will, I will give you another play in a minute but I think what Bidstrup's biggest problem will be getting into the team is that there's two players effectively ahead of him um, that play in that position which is Norgard and Janelt and if he is going to get into the team, he might have to play in a different position, um, which is probably a discussion for another day. Um, but that, that, that's, that's kind of where I see him. He was excellent yesterday. But I, for me, and Bumo, um, just to choose someone different, I, I, he came on um, and, um, and he grabbed the match by the scruff of the neck. And it's something that you know we, we, we want to see more of him. Um, his shot that hit the post went in rather than not. Um, and... You know, let's hopefully he'll carry that form on into into future games. He's a real handful in Boomer. He's a, I mean, I, I think we've missed him massively um, during those um, games where he's not been available, and I can't wait to see him out again into the first team. I also think you know he dovetails with Tony probably better than Weiser does. That's right. So uh, and uh, just just got to go back to this. Give us your marks out of ten for Brian and Boomo. Um, oh wait, it's, it's got to be a it's, it's, a it's a ten out of ten for the amount of time he was on the pitch. You you can't you know what, what more could he have done? That's right. And uh, the lightning marks out of ten for uh, the bid strap. Yeah, eight and a half. I said yeah. Eight and a half. Sorry, not eight and a half. And also, listen, just let me just come back to this as well, as well, because you're talking about we talked about a little bit earlier about the match itself. Marks out of ten for the match itself. For me, I'd, I'd give out. I'd, I'd give out a strong nine, if I'm honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, from a Brentford fan's perspective, I don't think it could have offered us much, much more. It was a, a win, a healthy win, um, good goals, um, and Port Vale contributed as well. It was a, a good away game, a um, couple of beers in a decent pub before. They had a good crowd in there. There was big queues going in um, before the game. They, they. Made an atmosphere, we made an atmosphere, yeah, yeah, all good. Cracking cup, cup tie, yeah, nine out of ten, probably. That's right. And uh, and the Ellards? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would say an eight out of ten. I, 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 there was that period where it was, I mean, it was an, it was an awesome cup tie for, for sort of about half an hour in the second half. It took it took a bit of time to get going, but that half an hour um, was was just great to watch. It was a real blood and thunder cup football, um, and obviously, and us playing in the opposite role to what we're used to yeah that's right so and for me I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it an, an 8 out of 10 as well you know I thought it was I thought it was good good day out wasn't what I expected I expected it to be a 5 <laughs> so that's actually really up on what I expected it as well 
Um, and yeah, I mean, there was a bit of a lull in the atmosphere, you know, during the game at some stage. It wasn't a full-on atmosphere from the Bees fans, but you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, I'll give it an eight out of ten. And for me, the player for me was Bidstrup. You know, he was the player that it was all over the place. I thought he had a really good game. I'm going to give him a nine out of ten. So uh, just, but you know, we've talked about ourselves, but let's look over to the other side, the opposition. Give us your opposition, danger person, Laney, with a mark out of ten. Um, well, I mean, to be honest, there, there were no real standouts for me. I mean, I thought that Kian Harrett, um, he, he, he took his goal really well. It was a really good diving header. Um, I, I think, I think during that, during that phase, they, you know, they, they really did push us quite hard. Um, but, and I, but I just, I just don't think that. I never believed, just put it that way, that they were going to draw the game level. Um, and I know there was like a couple of like hearts in mouth moments, but you know, I'll, I'll give it to I'll give it to Harrop because you know he, he's he 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 put the ball firmly past the goalkeeper that I thought had clean sheet written all over him, and um, yeah, and he, and he gave him hope. So yeah, that's the, he gets my vote. And the Ellards. Um. I would say uh, David Worrell, he played on the right for them. I think he was right wing back looking at the way they set up. Um, and he was involved sort of in most of, of their good stuff, especially during that 20 to 25 minutes. <laughs> he was the one that had that shot that sort of, that you know, to the near post. He was, he was right in close. Um, and he had a cross that created another good chance. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was at 2-1 where he sort of had, a, he had a sort of five minutes where he looked like he was a bit of a nightmare for us. Um, I think he's a bit of a journeyman. He's been around everywhere, but um, sort of looking into who, who he's played for and stuff like that. We may well have come across him before as well. But um, yeah, that David Worrell. I, I can't say he's a name to remember for the future because he's 31 years old, whereas Harrow, of course, is 19 and may pop That's up on right. our radar again at some point. Um, I think David Worrell That's less likely. But I had a really good day yesterday. Yeah, and for me, I've, I've got Kieran Harrow just for the goal that he scored. You know, I mean, he came on as a, he came on as a sub. You know, he's actually he's actually on loan. He's from Huddersfield B team, and as well as you probably know that Huddersfield actually uh, scrapped their academy, from what I can gather, or, or if they didn't scrap them, they actually started a B team off the back of what we did. So yeah, he came from Huddersfield B team. Like I said, he had a good start. He closed us down quite a lot, and he and he, t- he took his chance really well. So you know, for me, Kieran Harrett, I'll have to give it to them. Uh, there. I mean, the thing is that they actually didn't have that many. I think they only had one. I think there's the only shot on goal that they had, actually, in the, in the whole of the game. I mean, I, I think they hit the post. I'm not sure, which doesn't count on the stats front. But that was the only actual shot that they had on, on, on goal and, and, and on target as well. So, um, But so we've, we've, we've talked about the opposition danger person. I'm just going to wonder, just in general, for the day, the match itself, whatever like that, what was your stinker of the day, Laney? Difficult again, you know. This is this is going to sound really petty because I can't think of anything really bad. I mean, like, I, I can't. Not that I, you know. Um, I'll I'll give Mars Pert Harris his miss. Um, he, he looked like he was about to, you know, score his first goal, um, and he 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 is a rebound. It, it came it came to him. It just looked like he had to, you know, literally just scoop it over the goalkeeper into the back of the net. Um, and he hit it straight at the goalie. I mean, to his credit, he, you know, he put that behind him, and he and uh, he got brought. You know, he, he had the wherewithal to to take the control, and um, he got brought down for the for the penalty that was awarded. And uh, you know, Bootman Bumo was then handed the ball from Tony for for the for the fourth goal. So, um, but yeah, may, may, maybe that miss. I think that 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 could have should have been bread and butter. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair to him as well, I thought that when the ball came to him, he was almost so surprised that he was just—it was just him and the keeper. It's almost like he didn't wasn't quite sure what to do. It's always like it was. He, I don't know if he had too much time, but I think he just looked really, really surprised. That he just went, "Oh, here you go," and then sort of kind of just kicked the ball straight to the keeper. So, which is uh, probably a little unfortunate. It's almost like if the ball had come across that come across that sort of seventy five miles an hour, he probably would have reacted completely differently. Anyway, but you're a key moment in the Allard. And Stinker were on, aren't we? So, oh, Stinker. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Stinker for me was um, was was Lossel, um, and I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, it. Him sort of he had he had he had a good, he had a good game. Don't get me wrong, and I was sort of thinking. To be honest, I was watching him in the first half, thinking, hmm, I wonder if he might be pushing for a start. You know, I, I don't know. Anyway, in the second half, he had that he had that moment of madness where he came charging out, and I I spent the first half a second thinking, oh well that's good he's made the decision and then realising quite quickly that it was probably the wrong decision um, not getting to the ball first um, and ending sort of in no man's land luckily I think it was Politic playing for them um, didn't didn't do so much with it once um, once the sort of the kerfuffle at the edge of the area once he'd come out with the ball um, it just seemed yeah yeah I you know I mean I'm like Laney said, there wasn't much stinkiness going on, was there really? But um, if we have to pick something, probably that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because, you know, we'll talk about Lossall as well. We'll talk, talk about him because he, for me, the interesting thing about him is that what I really noticed is that he was really commanding. He was really talking to his players. He was telling them exactly where to go, exactly what to do, pointing out, pulling them left, pulling them right. Um, and I was just sort of thinking, God, blimey, I haven't, I haven't sort of seen as much of kind of of a sort of like a, a real directed, you know, um, 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 goalkeeper, um, you know, since Raya and since our, our goalkeepers back in the day, because he was like he'd been in the team for like for years, and he was like a real commanding force. And we just thought, oh, we feel comfortable, and he felt comfortable in the, in the first half. When he did that in the second half, we were like a little bit like, oh, or maybe we've made Ooh. a sort of a bit of an early yes. shout there. But <laughs> but the thing that I would say is that. The goalkeeper is his first game and all the goalkeepers kind of make a little bit of a fluff and everything like that early on as they, they get their time to bed in. So I'd like to think that that was kind of like one of his kind of like, well, I haven't played for six months. Oh, that's a bit of a fluff, but I'm, I'm at least I'm getting used to playing thing. Well, that's what you get with experience and, and height. You know, he's, he's vastly experienced, you know, where Fernandez isn't. Um, and he's and he's tall, um, which most of our goalkeepers for the recent past aren't. Um, so he, he he can command, and he's, he 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 seems to have a real swagger about him, and he he, he looked confident. And as the Allard said, inside you know we were all talking about all. You know, is there a chance that he he might be a starter more often than 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 we were kind of led to believe? Um, is he, is he, he going to be more than cover? But we'll see. It, we'll see how that goes because it, the, the, everyone was saying it would be harsh on Fernandez, who's, Fernandez, who seems to be getting better. But you know, it's about uh, us being rock solid at the back. And you know, if if I, if we believe that he's able to be more watertight in more games, then I, I have no qualms about him starting whatsoever. Yeah, old, old school, old school game, old school keeper. Um, he, yeah. he, there was, I think there was another moment, wasn't there, where they sort of he was passing the ball in front of the goal and stuff like that, and um, and and mm. he, he seems full of confidence. Um, whether he's yeah. quite got it to back it up, I don't know. He's the opposite to Fernandez, to be honest, in terms of the confidence he brings. He, he appears to bring to the team. Um, 
and yeah, it'll be interesting. They got they got two goalkeepers very sort of polar opposite, I think now, and they'll they'll have to make a decision. I assume Fernandez will carry on for now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting the word on the street is it's Fernandez is the number one, and Lossell is the backup. And for me, I'd say uh, my stinker of the day, unfortunately, is uh, at the beginning of the game. The, there was a booing of the knee from a section of the fans as well. You know, a lot of people kind of you know they've heard this many times before, and you know happened at Millwall actually, interestingly, on the TV. And there's a lot of comments about that, especially from players who just basically said we're so disappointed like you know but again we had a section of uh, fans that are booing the knee you know from both stands as well from the away end as well as well as, as well as the home end and I just would say that just it's just uncomfortable for me and for other people as well and it's just disappointing but we shall move on anyway so listen we're going to just quickly talk about your key moment the Laney uh, my key moment uh, had to be um, Brian and Bumo's breakaway goal um, I think that that snubbed out any revival they, they, we were under the cosh at that stage um, and that ended the fight back or potential fight back um, that's the one that came off the post but it was a beautiful run and they, they backed off him and they backed off him and they backed off him and then he just found the, the perfect finish so yeah for me uh, obviously Marcus Force's first goal was, was, was a cracker as well but yeah that that, that was the turning point that that was game set and match as far as I was concerned the Elod um, I don't think you can look past that to be honest um, I suppose you could argue the third goal and um, that was the second goal right Laney uh, no that was the third goal okay I'll argue the second goal then um, but but for the, exactly the same reasons um, so Mbumo's first goal um, just because it was uh, you know it was also at a point where it felt they were in the match it was 1-0 um, it was a bit you, I, I think you have to sort of turn yourself being into a Port Vale fan and remember what it's like. What it was like for us is you have that period, don't you, where you think we're in this, we're in this, we're in this, and then suddenly you're two goals down again. And obviously that happened twice at two 0 and again at three one. I might have got Brian's. If I've got Brian's goals muddled up, forgive me. But it, it was it was the it was his set. It was the goal that made it three one. Yeah, that was you know, and the I'll goal go made yeah, the, the yeah. fight back finish. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I'm actually going to give it to Force's goal. Um, just because there's been a lot of debate about force and force being the side, should he, should he not? Like you know, and uh, I just think that the way that we uh, we kind of broke and we scored that goal, the way that he took that goal as well, it's fantastic. Like you know, what I'm saying you know, the way that he just plotted it into the back of the net, or didn't plot it, he planted it in the back of the net, and also. Um, once that goal was in, they were on the back foot, you know, even though they came at us, we were on the back foot. And I just think after that, we were really comfortable. We didn't want necessarily to kind of, I mean, we brought the, the big guns on for to get a bit of game time. And in the second half, I suppose we needed to shore things up. But we didn't, didn't want to be in a situation where we'd actually have to be pulling in all these players in at half time, you know, if we're going to be flipping struggling like, you know. So I just think that him, when he scored that goal, made us in a commanding position in that game, as I said to you, Port Vale, even though they, you know, they came at us in that second half, they had one shot and goal in the whole match, and we were actually really comfortable in that match um, in reality, like, you know, and I think that that goal that he scored there really set us up quite nicely So going back to the stadium we're going to listen to the fans the Bees fans and the Port Vale fans to hear what they had to say straight after the game I thought we did most things quite well today. Um, they, they had a little bit of a rally here and there, but I thought the players coming in did well. But he looked like a decent unit. The goalie looked comfortable. Um, some good moments. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't ten out of ten, but it was a very very comfortable seven out of ten. They came at us the second half like they had to. I, I, I thought it, at, at, when they were showing 
They were playing with a lot of pace. They were pushing us, sort of thing. But then we caught them on the counter. We played some lovely football and just tore them apart. We put on the extra players that we got the quality in. And it showed at the end of the day. Brian scoring a hat-trick, fantastic. Real credit to Ivan as well for uh, giving, um, giving Brian that, the, uh, the penalty to take. So, yeah, all in all, very satisfied. We move on into the fourth round. First off, we were excellent, all in all. I think we, we, we were a little bit risky around the back. Uh, like playing those difficult passes, we're a bit too, uh, bit too happy playing it across goal. But second half we took the foot off. But although we did bring some bring, bring some big names on, and uh, yeah, got the job done. We needed to bring quality on to get us over the line at two nil. Um, you could say we were a little bit flattered. They pushed on a bit. We were a little bit wobbly, um, and we had to bring Wembo on. Wembo, good bit of quality. Nice gesture from Ivan at the end, giving the penalty. A bit shaky in the second half, but overall next round another cup run hopefully I'm happy job done um, I was actually you know it was a good game in the second half they made a good go of it I thought for a good 20-25 minutes but we did what we had to do especially Brian Mubremo great effort and um, yeah to the next round we go we've put on a good show I think 4-1 to me was a bit of an injustice I think we put you under a good little bits of pressure but we were a bit open at the back so you know pushing forward your lad's too quick oh yeah brilliant they've, they've been absolutely fantastic um, you know I'd love them to keep playing like that the rest of the season and everything because if we do then there's every chance we're going to stay at the top Vale played absolutely brilliant you wouldn't see that it was like League 2 versus Premiership and everything like that he'd give it the role and I think I definitely think was a, a deserved man of the match and that um, M.O. Louis Cass they've been absolutely fantastic but uh, we tried his best uh, can't knock the veil. They were brilliant. The score's four-one. Of course it was, but they're league two, so like we give lots of respect when they scored their goal. I was clapping because it was a good goal. So like I was showing respect and stuff. So there you go, Brentford fans, Port Vale fans. Uh, oh, everyone seemed to quite enjoy their day. So, lady, I'm just going to ask you: What do you talk about the day, the day out, the game, the atmosphere? What's your vibe? My vibe was it was a really good day out. Yeah, um, as you said, you know, we, we made a, a, a bit of a dash up on, in, in the car. Uh, found a really good pub beforehand. The game lived up to all expectations. Um, the right result. And we had a really good bag of chips um, in the car um, to keep us fish warm. And fish, and, fish and chips, yeah. Um, to, to round the day off. And, uh, yeah, we... Uh, we listened to uh, a couple of games on the way back and the motorways were empty and it was yeah, a thoroughly hassle-free, positive day out. So yeah, overall for me, I just, yeah, I'll give it a good 8.5 out of 10 for a, for a Bees away game. Okay, yeah, which is pretty pretty good for a for a car away day as well because it's normally like a train or a boat or an aeroplane away day Ooh. where you sort of kind of start to get over eight out of ten as well. Attendance was eight thousand and sixty nine, which is I believe it is over Port Vale's uh, regular attendance as well with uh, one thousand one hundred twenty six from Brentford. I mean, I thought we sold nearer to fifteen hundred, so I don't know whether or not people gave tickets back or if they only counted the people who actually went through the turnstiles. But that was a score, so it sounds like they were only here for the Brentford. Um, the Allard, give us. Your, uh, your views on the on the day and the atmosphere and, and just just everything. I, I just think it was nice to have a, an, a, an FA Cup third round day that just was an away fixture and um, and felt like the FA Cup. I just I, I, maybe it's my memory fading, but it seems we've, we we're at home a lot of the time and we 
we, we tend to play sort of teams and then we then we bring in loan players and stuff like that it just felt like a more altogether it just felt like we just felt like we gave a bit of love to the cup um, I know we played Bidstrup and I know we played Stevens but um, yeah so I, I thought it was enjoyable really enjoyable good watch the game was a good game it was probably the best FA Cup game I remember us playing in for a bit um, yeah so I'd, I'd say 8 out of 10 yeah, yeah, which is good. And, and and according to JB's facts, which he did in the pre-match podcast, if I remember rightly, that was our first first away win since our first away game since in the third round since or we had an away win at Stockport in the third round. And also, I think we had an away game. Was it in 2012? I can't remember exactly what it was. But if I remember rightly, normally the third round we're always playing at home. So I remember we've had Notts County, we've had you know we've had various team Warsaw's as well. We're always playing them at home, you know, and uh, it's not quite the same especially in this cup so actually you know for us to be away to a kind of a team who was sort of lower than us in the league in the third round is actually a rarity so yeah it was it was good it's quite novel like I said to you I'm glad that we uh, managed to pull ourselves out of bed at half past nine to decide to go up to the game as well like you said and it was a it was a good away day so I'm going to give it a an eight out of ten as well which is all good so I mean we've given you our views on the match and the away day um, but JB is going to give us his FA Cup facts and funk. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Who? JB. And he's ready to stock it to you one time. Uh, get it. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. Well, it was a fact-filled FA Cup third round match with Port Vale. It was the first time Vitaly Janelf had captained us. New goalkeeper Jonas Lossell is the first player to wear our number 49 shirt. Marcus Force scored his first ever FA Cup goal. Brian Mambo scored his first ever hat-trick for us. He was also the first player to take home an FA Cup match ball since Matt Harold against Games for Trinity in 2003. If you discount Tony Mahoney's three against Wimbledon Eaton in 1982, which was technically an away tie but played at Griffin Park, it is 92 years since we had recorded an FA Cup hat-trick away from home, when Jack Lane and Billy Lane both scored three apiece in a first-round tie at Ilford. In the week in which Bees legend Tommy Higginson would have been 85, he was our first substitute to score back in 1965. Brian also goes into the record book as our first ever sub in league or cup to come off the bench and score a hat-trick. So there you go, JB with some FA Cup facts and funk. And now that we're in the hat... And the draw is going to be, I think it's on Sunday, Sunday evening as well. So uh, very much looking forward to that. Um, but, but now that we're in the hat, we're going to have another JB Facts and Funk FA Cup Facts and Funk in about a month's time. Um, the, the fourth round game is the first, well, weekend in February, just after the, the break. There's a, there's a cooling off break where there's actually got, not going to be any matches at the end of January. So there's not going to be any Premier League matches. And then we've got our FA Cup match the week after that um you you you, you quite enjoyed that, that fact and a bit of funk there didn't well, you the I, I i always enjoy the funk and the facts i always enjoy it when when the billy lane player gets character gets mentioned because i always <laughs> try and imagine this mashup of you two playing for brentford <laughs> That's right, that's right. We were we were there on the we had our boots and we were sort of waiting on the side, just waiting for to get the call from Thomas Frank, but he never called us and we were very disappointed, it has to be said. So look, I mean like obviously FA Cup third round, we were recording this on the Sunday, so not all the games have been played, but quite a few games have been played. And I'm just wondering, you know, just give us a bit of an FA Cup recap. Anything that caught your eye there, Laney? Well you you can't look much beyond Cambridge winning that. Uh, at St James's Park can you really I mean it, it was 
it, it was stonking and, and when I when I looked at the time I, mean, I, I could see they'd scored um, and I was kind of like you know we were talking about it in in the ground and I thought I'll oh, just better, better double check um, Newcastle's team they probably filled in a load of reserves and they just really hadn't it was it was as as full strength as, as Newcastle were, were going to pick well it was full strength as far as I could see you know some max a man and um, and the you know the debutant with Trippier gets a gets a gets a run out and yeah it, it was it was the first team and I, that really surprised me to be honest because Newcastle really have to uh, try and survive this season but yeah it, it goes from bad to worse for for the Geordie fans uh, that was a real embarrassment and but fair play to for came to Cambridge and Cambridge's goalkeeper um, you know just as you know, as Matt said. Uh, you know, we we gave the FA Cup a lot of love, and so, so did Newcastle. <laughs> they provide they provided a real talking point. So well done them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, to be fair, the like I said, the game, Cambridge keeper pulled off a blindly, pulled off some fantastic saves. Um, but what I'll also say is that you know, I mean, obviously, you know, one thing that we'll say, and any real football fan will say, like that really did sum up the FA Cup that game, that Cambridge game, uh, or Cambridge going up to Newcastle and winning that. That's what the FA Cup is all about. And seeing the Cambridge fans up in that upper tier, um, I'm not sure if they've got some lower tier tickets as well, but they've got 5,000 tickets for that game. So there's 5,000 of them at that game, watching that game. And I have to admit, I've been to Newcastle four times now with Brentford and I haven't seen them win once. And Cambridge have won there as well. So I, I feel a little bit jealous, actually, when I saw that. Actually, Did, did, did you, the Elard? Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed. There's, there's been some sort of quite good stuff knocking around on, on Twitter, um, from the, especially from the Guardian um, football podcast, Max Rushton being a Cambridge fan. So he's been filling his boots. And um, yeah, there's been some really good videos of, of sort of moments we've, never, we've not really yeah, had up at Newcastle, I suppose, apart from the odd goal. But it's, um, yeah, it was good. The other, the other game that really caught my eye was the Barnsley-Barrow game. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I, there's all sorts of. I mean, firstly, it finished five four. It was four all at full time. Um, Barrow played most. I think they played about an hour of the game with ten men, um, and I think they went down at ten men. They when they were might have been one nil down, maybe even two nil down. I think it was one nil down, and they somehow got it back to four all. And they probably should have had a penalty that would have won it as well in the last sort of dying embers of the game so that that was another cracking game and it, and it was just a day that made me feel sort of the FA Cup was kind of the third round as used to be my favourite day I always used to have a bet and pick a load of underdogs and that became difficult to do because you never knew who was going to put out what team when especially when lower league teams started resting players um, but it feels like it's sort of I don't know is there a resurgence do you think I'm not really sure maybe there is or maybe it's just in my head I, I, I don't know we, we'll see let's see what happens after this uh, this day after the Sunday matches let's see what happens then but you know I, I think that maybe teams are starting to take it sort of slightly more seriously again you know I know that Thomas Frank is very I mean we I mean we, when we started resting teams back in the day in the League Cup when Uwe Rosler rested them against uh, Derby and they were in the, in the league above us you knew you knew it was all over for the Cup the way that we are treating the Cups but I know that Thomas Frank is actually treating this Cup very seriously and he really wants to try and uh, he wants to try and get something under his belt so uh, that is quite interesting him getting the, the balance right I mean for me the Cambridge um, situation the Cambridge win fantastic you know you've already talked about that I also thought that Kidderminster's win against Reading 
as well because I, I know, like I said, a friend of mine, Becca, who's a friend of the podcast as well. She literally lives closer to Kidderminster than she does to Reading, and I know that she was very excited about having to actually not get on a motorway to go to a game, but sort of to pop down from Telford down to Kidderminster for the game, and she was very excited. But obviously, she wouldn't have been too happy when um, after the final whistle because the kiddies, the Harriers, actually. Uh, uh, won the game and I know Gavin who's the guy that ridden up there's my mate of mine Gavin who's the guy that runs uh, that reads the news on BBC BBC News Sports actually the sports reporter on BBC News Gavin he's actually used to play for Kidderminster Harriers as well so I sports messaged him last night and he was very happy with uh, how they got on actually last night as well so um, yeah the Kiddie Harriers are in the, in the hat as well look at that, a few of them as well I know that you're quite happy obviously because um, your your team Rotherham did the business against somebody didn't they Lane? No Rotherham lost in the end no no they lost no, they lost on penalties to keep yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. They were winning until very late on, didn't they? Then there was a fl- we were listening to the penalties. That's right. Pay attention, yeah. Bill. You're you're in the car. You're yeah, you're, that's, you're that's, fixated that's, on your chips. Um, that was an upsetting turnaround with the penalties, wasn't it? Yeah. Because you'd have you'd have you'd have lumped on Barbe to miss that's his, right, yeah, and then hoped old Benny would score his, yeah. and, and it was the other way round. And obviously, the the other the other game that stood out was uh, Leicester's win over Watford. Leicester, who we always automatically now get in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Be the, the last two seasons we've got them in the fourth round at home, so obviously we're on a hat trick there. So. Uh, yeah, they're they're in good they're in good form right. to, to to do it all over yeah. again. We've got to mention Emiliano Marcondes scoring a hat trick for uh, for Muff against Yeovil as well down in Yeovil. So uh, yeah, Emiliano is in there as well, and uh, and also quite a good one as we'll talk about a little bit later is uh, Southampton. What ended up being Swansea, but it, it was a bit of a bit of a slog for them, wasn't it? Which actually hopefully might pay out and uh, for us in a, in a right way, in it the allies. Yeah, Moni Southampton. Um, I, I actually, I, I actually, yeah, I, when I watched a little bit of that game, um, I, I was thinking, cool, th- th- you know, I was spent, I, I finished the day thinking the FA Cup's back and I turned that on and thought, blimey, oh, there's no atmosphere at this game. No one's bothered to turn up. And then obviously I realised <laughs> Um, yeah. Yes, yes. That's right. It was down yes. to ten men. I mean, I mean, I didn't. Southampton, Southampton, Southampton were down to yeah. ten men. They, they were taking it out. It went to extra time as well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen it all. I haven't I managed to watch much of the days yet. Like I said to you, there's all sorts of games coming to be. But still, the fact that they slogged it out um, could be good for us on Tuesday night. Yeah, as well. I, I think we might be calling them Moany Wingy Southampton for the next forty-eight hours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, let's see as well. I'm, and I'm keeping fingers crossed. Like I said, games haven't been played as yet. That my my tip. For the, the the third round, Morecambe are going to do the business. The Shrimps against uh, the Spuds, but so it's Tottenham, like you know what I'm saying. So let's see what happens there. So, but I'm going to ask this obviously because we've seen these games and presume let's just let's just throw them all into the hat. All the teams that are in the third round who've ever got through and the ones that have still haven't got through. Who do you want in the fourth round, Laney? Um, I, I, I like to play. Yeah, I, why not Kidderminster Harriers? Yeah. I, We'll, we'll have them. We'll have them at our place. Yeah, yeah I, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think we want to go quite long in this competition. You know, I can't see them. You know, beat Reading are having an absolutely awful season. So you know, it, although it was a real big upset, and you know, I'm not going to try and dilute that one little bit. Um, you know, we, we, they we, we'd be way too strong for them, and we'd be through to the to the next round. So yeah, may, maybe a, a trip there, maybe an away trip to Kidderminster, maybe. Okay. Yeah, lads. Um, well, I'll start off anyone but Leicester. I mean, that's surely that's a must. Um, but I, and actually, I had Kidderminster. I just had it. I had it down as an away trip. Um, did you just say home, Lane, or did you just no, switch away, away? Away, you switched yeah. it. Didn't I, you? Might yeah. swi- I might switch. I might switch. I might switch it. 
Yeah, I mean, you did say home, but you just yeah. to, to be honest, it's a different FA Cup in it. It's let, let's play anybody we can beat, and that's no disrespect mm. to um, Kidderminster Harriers. And let's let's literally, I always say, let's avoid people in our league because we're going to play them anyway. Um, and um, yeah, Kidderminster. I mean, that there, there are some others. You know, you you could sort, I think Hartlepool, Boreham Wood, but they don't sound particularly exciting. I think yeah, Kidderminster at the moment yeah, for me. Right, I think we're sort of unanimous on this one. I'd lo- I'd love Kidderminster away. I've also said I'd like Cambridge away, which are both are sort of quite old school and harking mm. back to the olden days. Cambridge is actually quite a good OA day as well, going by the river, having some drinks by the canal or on the river as it is, like, you know, which is all good as well. But I've also thrown in the hat where you're just going to say, oh, no, but it's just because I just want that little bit of spark and excitement. Fulham away as well, which I think could be quite interesting. And, and Boreham Wood, I hate going to Boreham <laughs> Wood, but then, you know, yeah, I really do. I really can't stand going to Boreham Wood. It's down the road from me, but mm, I don't know. Maybe if it came up, I'd just go, okay, fair enough, like, you know. But we talked about who we want in the fourth round, but who do you not want in the fourth round, Laney? Fulham. <laughs> yeah, I'm going the opposite of you. Fulham or QPR. Couldn't really do without the grief, to be honest with you. Um, that, in, you know, there's that's, that's big potential there of, of going out and then them being kind of embarrassed in, in brackets it's it's you know with the chances are we're still not going to win the FA Cup um, the chances are someone's going to knock us out I'd rather I'd rather it not be against a local rival I'm not particularly scared or bothered it's just uh, I, I don't I, I think we ought to enjoy the, the day out or the day at home and I don't think I would it, it just it did just great the grief factor is too big so yeah let's keep it kind of fairy tale or, or proper big games Okay, I'm going to just throw something in the pot here, the lady, but I, I, I completely get what you're saying. But on the flip side of it, isn't it one of those games where but if you win, you're going to be even overly joyous because it's going to be... No, so I'm, not, I'm really not bothered. We played them enough times recently, Bill. I'm not... I don't... I, I, my, my answer is I, I couldn't give a stuff about QPR or Fulham. I don't really want to play them. No. The Allard. I'm sort of with Laney. I don't think we've got much to gain by playing them. Um... So yeah, I, but I also just—I I don't want to play anyone in the Premier League. We're playing them already. I—I I don't want any big games. I mean, I—you you say we're not going to win this. Um, we can have a good run at it. Um, I said we're we, probably not. I said probably yeah, not. Yeah, but we, yeah, uh, we can have a good run at this, can't we? Because hundred percent. Because 100%. we're—you know—unless things change dramatically in our league form, um, we're going to have a bit of space. There's no replays in the fourth round, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, and then you're so we're only two games away from the quarterfinals. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, t- t- Tottenham, Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool, or Man City are probably going to win this. So yeah, yeah, but we can go far. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's plenty of fixture congestion. Um, I guess you know to come, isn't there? There's who knows. Semi-final at yeah. Wembley would be quite nice, regardless. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so and, and and for me, I mean, I've I think probably top of the pile has got to be Leicester because we cannot play Leicester three years in a row in the FA Cup. That would just be heartbreaking, you know. Also, I mean, I know we, you know obviously we want to keep away from Premier League teams, but if it has to be any of the top six, you know, you will keep away from them as well. But then just looking through it, I just thought to myself, I would hate to go to Plymouth away. Even though I've never been to Plymouth, you know, one of the few uh, teams that I've uh, places that I've never been to, but I just I wouldn't want to go down to Plymouth in the fourth round, like you know. Um, 
my Peterborough away as well will just be completely heart destroying, <laughs> soul destroying for me as well. And I was thinking as well, me and Laney laughed the fact that we got Stoke in the league uh, in the League Cup, we got Port Vale in the FA Cup. It'd be it'll be soul destroying if we got Stoke in the FA Cup away <laughs> as well. Um, Luton or Harrogate, I don't want either of those two. They're playing each other as well, and also Wigan away. As much as I've got my Wigan chums and I love the Wigan chums, I just thought going up to Wigan again, I don't want to do that. So there's a load of teams that I think that I do not want in the fourth round. But anyway. These are the teams that we don't want in the fourth round. But what we do know is that we have got Southampton. We're playing them on Tuesday nights down at, well, I was going to say the Dell, but that's properly old school, isn't it? You know, down at Saints Stadium, whatever it's called, down in Southampton. We're going to go away, come back, and we're going to talk about Southampton. So, Southampton, back in the league. And um, it could be quite a tight game, this, as well. The game got postponed in December. Uh, due to coronavirus, Southampton have been fairly busy. They've they've been sort of surfing on the sort of coronavirus thing as well. Then they played the game, like I said to you, against Swansea in the FA Cup, which they um well, which they had to slog out. And uh, and their manager, what's his name, Ralph? Is it Ralph? Ralph Hasselhoff. He's uh, he's yeah, he's 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 not very happy, is he? And he's he's just edging to get this game off. But you know, speaking about Southampton chums, they're sort of saying they don't think the game's going to be off, and also the. The, 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 the limit is quite high to get games off now but you know um, let's assume that this game is going to be on um, it's going to be an interesting game is it not the Allard yeah it, it, it will be it'll be a real test of our sort of fortitude um, and I think it, it it's going to be a real are, are we going to be sort of we're not going to get dragged back into it but but it'd be nice to get some points on the board in that game um, and that because then what, what comes up next isn't it? Is it Liverpool, Man United, Wolves? There's a lot of games crushed into a short period, so you want to sort of get that short period off to a good start, I, I would say. Um, and then you then you can almost have a swing at the other clubs if that makes sense. Um, so they they just seem a bit whingy at the moment. Southampton they're not on the greatest form. Um, they're below us in the league. Um, I don't think they're relegation candidates, um, but you know they're, they're not a million miles away from it. Albeit they're only two points below us, I think it's going to be a real sort of it'll be a real test um, if the game takes place. Yeah, I mean, looking at the league, we're in we're in uh, we're in twelfth place. Played nineteen games with uh, was it twenty three points, and Southampton fourteenth place. Like I said to you, a couple of places behind us played nineteen games as well. They got twenty one points, so it's very tight. Looking at us, sort of kind of like and form wise and stats wise, we haven't got Will the spreadsheet winker again. He's on the chill this week as well. But we just thought we'd just thresh out a little bit of the info. I mean, our xG four is twenty five point six, where this is twenty four point six. So we're quite similar when it comes to sort of the chance creation because we're quite similar teams. I think where we differ slightly is that we are our XG against is 25.4 where theirs is 30.2 so probably defensively at the moment now they're not as good as where Brentford are you know um, teams are creating much more chances against them and also the thing that you have to look at is that Brentford um, as far as we're concerned are defence was stronger early on in the season and as a result of our goalkeeper going and Ayer and everything like that we've actually got slightly worse so I think the plus point I'm looking at this is if Ayer is back and he played like he did on Saturday and also we have Fernandez who's looking like a, you know, he's looking like more of a, a complete package, you know, this actually could swing in our favour where defensively we could be a little bit more solid, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's, you know, you, you mentioned um, Ayer being back and, and Bumo being back as well is, is a massive one for us. Um, I, I, I 
stick my neck out and say I'd, I'd, I'd stick Lowsell in goal on, um, on, on, on Tuesday night. Um, I, I, the more I think about it, the more commanding he is and the less of a risk he is. They're both lone goalkeepers, let's not forget. Um, you know, Fernandes is, is, is here on a season-long loan. He's not, he's not technically our player. We might have an option on him if we can arrange a fee, but I don't think we necessarily owe either much um, in terms of kind of loyalty in brackets I think we just got to do what's best and I, I think what I saw um, is, is is quite impressive I think as you know as we said you know a real commanding goalkeeper um, and you know I, I, I don't think the nurture is, is necessarily like of paramount interest I think Southampton are in not bad nick they've they've they've, they've lost less they've won less games than us um, but they've they've they're in they've had a couple of decent-ish kind of results recently. A draw against Spurs. They won at West Ham on Boxing Day. A draw against Palace, um, and a draw against Brighton, which was more than we were man- we managed to do. So yeah, it's the, the only loss recently is uh, is a three you know, 0 at uh, Arsenal, which is no no shame in that really. So um, yeah, it's it, they they draw a lot of games. So that's that's kind of where I'm probably. Uh, edging towards is, is kind of like an, another very even game um, with neither team really sort of you know pushing pushing away too much so yeah close hopefully we might be able to edge it though okay so listen let's go over to Southampton let's hear what the fans there have to say we're going to go to Ben Stanfield from the Total Saints podcast he's going to give us the lowdown on Southampton Firstly, thanks for having me on. My name's Ben Stanfield and I'm the founder of Total Saints Podcast. We started in July 2017. There's six of us currently involved. We basically spend each week talking about the goings on in and around St. Mary's. Um, Probably like Brentford, it's never a a dull week. Um, So we we try to be sort of level-headed, passionate and entertaining at the same time. But during that that period since um, 2017, we built up a, a loyal global listener base we're lucky to have um, around about 100 global patrons now that support the podcast and uh, like most football clubs it's been lots of ups and downs on and off the pitch Um, we're closing in on 200 episodes at time of speaking and uh, during that period we've um, been lucky enough to interview the likes of Terry Payne, Laurie McMenemy, Matt Letizier, Ricky Lambert, players like that Um, club heroes you know so I think absolutely it's been uh, a lot of fun doing it. I think the pinnacle undoubtedly is uh, probably being a, a question on ITV's The Chase towards the uh, autumn last year. Um, hearing Bradley Walsh reading out your podcast name was a bit odd, but thankfully for us, Olivia, the contestant, knew which uh, football club TSP might follow. So well done to her for getting it right. You can find us on the socials at Total Saints Pod, or you can visit www.totalsaints.co.uk to find out a bit more about us. Yeah, we're obviously excited by Rasmus and the Sport Republic group um, taking Saints over recently. It's um, a mixture, I think, of probably cautious optimism and the fan base at the moment. I think we realise that, you know, it can take owners 12 to 24 months to really be assessed properly to go through all the initial due diligence they need to do, understand where they might need to invest some money, think about the current model and how they can improve it. So Saints fans are quite a knowledgeable bunch. I don't think we expect instant success. As I said, we're used to a roller coaster. So... We're pleased, I think, to see Mr. Galgo, who was our previous owner. Um, I think he had his hands tied a little bit by the Chinese government after originally buying the club and wasn't maybe able to invest what he wanted to. But it's meant Saints have been kind of treading water for a couple of years now. They've been sustainable. They've only been able to spend the money that um, they've got from transfers. So losing the likes of Danny Ings, um, Ryan Bertrand, Yannick Vestergaard, Pierre Hoiberg, people like that 
has enabled us to at least invest some money in the club. But I think we're excited, particularly by Rasmus. Obviously, um, we've had the chance to speak to you guys at Besotted and hear a, a little bit more about him. He seems like a very switched on and intelligent guy. He's going to be operating maybe a little bit more satellite level than he has at Brentford at Director of Football. So I think hopefully complementing our current CEO, Martin Simmons, uh, nicely in the management team, being able to uh, introduce some new ideas, some new concepts on how we can build this model and drive Saints forward. You know, ultimately, as fans, we want to be competing for European football again. And I think if we can do that with Rasmus and his team being able to provide support, then uh, I think that'll be really good. When you focus on Saints previously, um, yeah, I mean, we've obviously had quite a, a positive recruitment model over the years. I think we are you know, naturally seen as a stepping stone club. I think Saints fans understand that. But maybe that's been able to act as a bit of a positive for us when we're trying to attract players to the club. We had to rebuild under Ronald Koeman. We brought in some fantastic players like Sadio Mane, Dusan Tadic, Graziano Pal, um, players like that. Virgil van Dijk, you may have heard of him. And what we're able to do is offer them football with a chance to really come in and prove themselves in the Premier League and then be able to sort of push on and go forward to bigger clubs, which they've all done. Now, what we did at that time was sort of paying around 10 to 12 million for players, investing in them, developing them, selling them for 20, 30, 40 million. When we sold those players, we then thought, well, actually, let's up at a level. Let's start to look at the 15 to 20 million bracket with the money that we've made. And we bought in players like Wesley Hoot, Mario Lamina, Guido Carrillo, all for sort of 15 to 20 million, but they weren't players that really came in with the right mindset. They didn't really have the the sort of willingness to develop and grow like the other players had. So it meant that we then had to um, sort of take a bit of a, a step back with our recruitment because all of those players left pretty much for a free transfer in the end. So it was a bit of a challenge through that recruitment period. And I think we took our eye off the ball really in terms of the academy and trying to sort of think about that pathway from the academy up to the first team so we've had a bit of a no man's land period there where there haven't been lots of players coming through from the academy because we'd almost decided to focus too much energy on the first team so I think for that reason what we really need to do now and what they've started to do as a club over the last 12 to 24 months is start to look at that journey from the academy to the B team to the first team they've put in place a, a Saints playbook which is trying to get everyone to sort of think in the same philosophy and follow the same sort of um, development uh, in terms of you know the way they work in the gym the way they work on the training pitch and I think you know with Rasmus's record and the way that he's worked at Brentford I think hopefully he can come in and really help to elevate and push that on again so ultimately I think very excited by the um, the takeover again you know as I said understanding that we're not going to have millions and millions of pounds to spend like maybe Newcastle and things like that but now it does give us that opportunity to invest money where we want to whether it's the women's game whether it's the training ground whether it's a refurbish in the stadium whether it's the main product which is the first team so I think hopefully now gives Saints a lot more flexibility and looking forward to what Rasmus Kemrick and Dragon can do. In terms of Saints this season, I've followed them 35 years now. Um, typical roller coaster, really. We've had a mixture, I think, of sort of players that have contributed and then gone off the boil. We've had a mixture of sort of good games and bad games. I think I've had to pick out a couple. Um, we drew at Manchester City earlier in the season, nil-nil. Should have had a penalty. In fact, it was awarded. Then good old VAR decided that it was against Manchester City, so we should probably not have it. Um, but ultimately, Man City have one shot on target, and that was in the 91st minute. And there won't be many teams that go to the Etihad over the next few years or indeed over the last five years that will have done that so it was a fantastic result for Saints and I think um, as we started the season a little bit wobbly we didn't win any games I think that gave them a real boost we beat West Ham recently on Boxing Day 3-2 at the London Stadium again somewhere that's been a real um, sort of graveyard for us over the last three or four seasons so 
an unexpected win there. Great to score three goals. And I think, again, you know, Christmas is always a time where there's lots of games, lots of points to play for. So I think being able to... Um, go there and get three points follow that up with the draw against Spurs which again you know we were maybe helped a little bit by VAR with the uh, Harry Kane goal but ultimately it's been a good Christmas for Saints and I think something to, to positively to bring into 2022 the only home defeat we've had this season was against Wolves that was back in September um, I'm putting that down as a bad game because we were pretty dreadful that day we lost 1-0 uh, Wolves have made a habit of winning games away from home 1-0 this season they obviously did it at Manchester United recently and in classic Saints style, Norwich have only scored eight goals and picked up 10 points this season with those two wins. Of course, as you guys will know at Brentford, a bit like yourselves, in true Saints style, two of those goals and three of those points were against us. We had an awful 2-1 display up there and, uh, you know, rightfully got beaten to really soft goals to give away. And uh, I think that's a game that most teams would look at and think we can go there and pick three points up. So it's been a mix of um, good and bad and ugly from Saints this season. But ultimately, you know, I think we've got some positives to look back on. I'm not really concerned by us being dragged into the relegation tussle. We got 21 points at time of discussion. I think four more wins maybe from the last 19 games should be enough to pretty much see us safe. So I think ultimately, you know, what we want to do is really try and um, push on now and look forward and look up the table for the second half of the season. Goal scoring has been a big challenge for us this season. I think having lost Danny Ings, who is obviously, uh, you know, a proven Premier League striker, we've had to try and share the goals around. And I think really that has been our um, sort of Achilles heel. So ultimately, goals win you games. That's what keeps you out of a relegation battle. But I, I think, you know, if we have to um, look at it now, I think, you know, I look at Norwich, I look at Burnley, I look at Watford. For me, I think they're the three that are probably going to go down. Burnley always show a bit of fight, but I, I do worry about the quality that they've got on their side. Newcastle, as we know, have obviously got money to spend, but there's already a bit of a gap forming between those four teams and the rest of the league. Um, so I think Saints will be OK. And fingers crossed um, we can have a, a good positive second half of the season and finish around that mid-table position. From a Saints point of view, if there was a couple of players that I had to pick out, um, I'd say probably Tino Livramento, who we bought in in the summer from Chelsea. Um, we signed him for £5 million. He was Chelsea's Academy Player of the Year last year. A real marauding right-back, um, 19 years old, is already um, you know, showing glimpses, I think, of um, being able to play at a higher level, potentially for England. Um, definitely got a big future ahead of him. He's likely to play against Brentford next week because Carl Walker-Peters will be out suspended. Um, and another one, if I had to pick out one more, would be probably Armando Broja. Um, we've also got him from Chelsea this season on loan. Um, a real raw talent up front, offers us something different. Power, pace has scored some really good and important goals. Won us the penalty up at West Ham um, a couple of weeks back. So I think for me, you know, he's ultimately someone that um, can really have a career at Saints if you know we can do a deal for him maybe in the summer or something like that um, but I think ultimately that's where we are in terms of fresh faces Ralph Hasenhutl's talked about trying to get a, a number 10 in you know someone to play in behind the front two a bit of creativity it'll be interesting to see what we do uh, in January now that we have got a bit of financial support but Saints don't normally spend a lot of money in January so it'll be interesting to see where we get to with that and then the the sort of position that I suppose I worry about a little bit at the moment is the goalkeeping situation Fraser Forster's in goal. He's got the gloves at the moment because Alex McCarthy, our regular Premier League goalkeeper this season, is out injured. But that's obviously meant Fraser having to really get to know his defence again and communicate with them. It's only been sort of two or three games. So I suppose that's a position that uh, I do have some doubts about. We've been linked with Sam Johnson at West Brom. I think the goalkeeping position is absolutely something that Saints will be looking at in the summer, if not before. 
when you look at it, um, we've not actually had that many games against Brentford uh, over the last few years. I think it's nine games that we've played you competitively since 1960, which is uh, well before my time. Um, I do remember going up to Griffin Park in January 2010. Uh, that was our first season uh, under Marcus Lieber's ownership. Alan Pardew was our manager. And I remember seeing Lloyd James score up the opposite end from us about five minutes in. And then I think Leon Legg equalised for you with about five or six minutes to go so it was a hard fought one or draw um, and again April 2011 on our uh, promotion to the championship season we had a good 3-0 win at your place um, I think we won 13 of our last 15 games including that Brentford game it made up for you beating us 2-0 at St Mary's early in the season one of the goals that day was of course scored by Adam Lalana, who went on to play for England and Liverpool so we had some real good talent in the side at that time alongside all the goals that Ricky Lambert was scoring for us um, more recently of course you dumped us out of the uh, League Cup last season 2-0 but I don't really want to dwell on that one to be honest so yeah not loads of games between us over the last few years but uh, hopefully if we can both remain in the Premier League there's going to be a few more tussles over the next uh, few seasons to come if I focus on Brentford, um, first and foremost, really like Thomas Frank. I think he comes over as a really honest and engaging and hardworking manager. It's hard not to have noticed Brentford's journey over the last few years. I think often been watching you on Sky and I think there's been lots of fantastic performances at Griffin Park, lots of goals. You know, you've been close to promotion a few times. And actually, I think, you know, for a team that plays in red and white a bit like us, um, I've really enjoyed watching Brentford's journey. Actually, it feels like, you know, you are a, a proper football club that have now got the, uh, the reward that you deserve for all the sort of planning and hard work over the last few years so yeah good solid spine to your team um, you know I know you mentioned obviously uh, on our pod Billy that uh, David Ray has been out this season so the goalkeeper position has maybe been a little bit vulnerable but you look up the spine of that team I really like the look of Norgard in midfield whenever he's playing very energetic and Bruno when he's been fit I think looks like an exciting talent um, and I think ultimately you look at someone like Ovin Tony up front um, you know he's obviously got goals in him um, he's offered a little bit more to his game this season maybe in hold up play and sort of creating chances but absolutely someone that Saints will need to keep an eye on I think um, when we look to play you over the, the couple of games this season um, certainly someone that you can't give too many chances to I suppose the challenge for Brentford is going to be quote unquote the second season syndrome once clubs get to know a little bit more about you and the way you play can you get those results next season obviously it's a new stadium but you've done a pretty good job of making it a, a, a bit of a fortress this season we certainly had a challenge when we moved from the Dale to St Mary's I think to try and make St Mary's a fortress team's enjoyed coming there and playing against us we didn't win many games for those first couple of seasons so I think if Brentford can keep picking up home points and nicking a few on the road which you've more than done this season then clearly you're going to be safe this season and it'll be interesting to see how you get on next year obviously there's a lot of clubs that sort of yo-yo up and down from the Premier League to the Championship uh, West Bromwich Albion a good example your friends Fulham are another good example so I think maybe that will be the challenge as an outsider looking at Brentford can they stay in the Premier League for three four seasons and really make a good go of it so yeah look, I, I think you're a really really good side um, a lot of respect for Brentford I think it's fantastic to see a club that has set itself up like that and uh, you know is now reaping the rewards and good luck to you over the coming years as for the game next week um, it's hard to know really how it's going to go um, we've obviously not played a Premier League game since that Spurs game because uh, Newcastle decided that they didn't want to play any games until uh, they managed to make a few signings so they cried off against us um, but uh, yeah we've obviously got Swansea in the cup this weekend and then uh, yourselves um, on Tuesday it'll be interesting to see how Ralph juggles his uh, squad we have got a few Covid cases Carl Walker-Peters um, will be suspended for that game against Brentford so again you know we're not quite sure what's going to happen at fullback but ultimately it's a game where I think both sides can win it I think um, it will depend probably on the night 
what lineups there are. Saints have done okay, as I said, at home this season. You know, one defeat, that's something that they need to keep trying to build on in 2022. So I think Saints have got to be looking to come out and try and win the game. I think if you gave me the choice between winning at Swansea in the Cup or beating you on Tuesday night in the Premier League and getting another three points, I'd obviously go for the latter because in this day and age, despite the investment being in the Premier League, where the money is ultimately is what keeps Southampton Football Club going. So, yeah, let's see um, what will happen. If I go for a prediction now, and you'll be pleased to know my predictions are normally absolutely rubbish, uh, I'm going to go for Saints to win 2-1, so that probably puts all of the money and all of the confidence on Brentford. So there you go, Ben, from Total Saints podcast. And uh, let's see. Like I said to you, you know, it's going to be a fairly even game. But it's interesting as well because we're, we're going to call it, the I don't know if you call it the uh, the Ankerson, uh, Phil Giles derby, is it? <laughs> you know, Rasmus Ankerson, as you probably know, was our director of football. And he went and joined Southampton a few days ago, well, as part of a, uh, a unit who, uh, an investment group who have invested into Southampton. So now, in principle, he isn't Brentford anymore. He is actually Southampton and we happen to play them. And, um, you know, we haven't really had time to actually kind of sort of tip our hat to Rasmus because, to be fair, you know, we've been very busy. But, um, yeah, this is our time to talk about him because we play in Southampton. And, and Rasmus, a big part of the bees over the past, well, number of years in it, Laney. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's an all-round good good bloke, um, Rasmus. Intelligent, um, knowledgeable. Uh, he's, you know, inspirational on, on, on a lot of levels. Um, and we, we wish him well in his in his future career. He's, he's a bigger, you know, he's ambitious. Obviously, um, uh, I don't I don't want him to have any success on Tuesday night. Not that there's, you know, he hasn't jumped ship. I don't, you know, he, he has, but he hasn't. If you know what I mean, I'm sure he's a lot of love there for Brentford, and he'll he'll be hoping that we, you know, we we go on and uh, you know cement our place in the Premier League for next season. I, I'm sure he'll miss watching us. Um, I think you know that'd be the one thing that you know if if, I, if for whatever reason there was like a you know there would would never be but if I had to stop missing Brentford that would be kind of quite 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 depressing so uh, yeah I'm sure he's enjoyed the the journey and um, yeah it's uh, it's it's, a, it's a, it adds to a, a bit of a strange dynamic to the game yeah yeah I mean the LR I mean Rasmus you know he hangs out with us a lot you know he's been down the pub with us you know he's done the podcast with us you know we always catch him after the games where he you know he's, he's contributed to our podcast a lot you know and you know been on the television with him he's you know you know before the European championship semi-final as well where you know myself and him did an interview where he was in his uh, Viking hat you know cheering on Denmark you know and I was obviously cheering on England as well and he's uh, he is he was I thought very much of Brentford person in the fact that you know you know some people they come as executives and you can be sort of high and lofting and no interest in kind of the sort of community feel and what the fans are about but you know he wasn't like that at all was he no he was he was he, he was a good guy I mean we we had, had beers with him once and um and he, he let us into a few a few little things here and there and 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 actually sort of made it interesting to watch a couple of games um you know based on that and it, he I, I mean I remember him at the I remember thinking, who is this guy at the the meet and greet sort of thing he did back in Griffin Park when he when he told us we were going to be in the Premier League within three years. And obviously we didn't go four years or whatever his target was. And um, we didn't quite make that. I think he was out by a couple of years. Um, but, but, but nevertheless, we did get there in the end. So, yeah, fair play to him. Um, he, he, he seemed, he was a bit sort of polarising maybe in those days when things weren't going quite well. Um, it, it was this 
I think they came in, didn't they, the second year in the championship, which obviously started off in a bit of a mess. Um, and, and you know, he got a fair bit of stick for that. And But in the end, he got us, not him, but, but, but the overall package got us to where he told us we were going to get to. So he achieved. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that little train journey that we did? Was it in our first season in the in the in the pre, in the championship when we went up to Wolves and we came back from Wolves? Uh, that, no, you see, with... you see, you see, that was before Rasmus joined. That was a different journey. That that he he wasn't there the first year in the championship, was he? he joined, they came in for the second year. Um, yeah, but he was definitely on the train. I'm saying that he was on the train mm. that we came back with him. And there's Matthew Benham, and we went back. We went to the pub beside him, and we were yeah, and we were just yeah. We were I, away. I, I, I remember going to the pub with him. Um, after a train journey and um, we had a good we had a good chat with him he was um, yeah he was a he was good company yeah that's right so yeah so let's so, so to you so Rasmus Akerson you know I chatted to him a couple of days ago and uh, you know just sort of kind of tried to get an idea of what he's up to and he said look I'm not going to, to, to operate Southampton like I've done at Brentford you know that's up to their management team. Their management team are going to operate Brentford. You know, I'm in overseeing the investment for Sport Republic, which is a company that he has with a couple of other people. It's actually actually only formed in, I think, December the 9th. You know, and he says, and I'll be investing and building a multiple club system and making investments into sports tech and things like that. So it sounds like what they'll be doing is that he's looking at sports tech companies out there and he's going to be looking at companies that are doing things you know which are on the edge you know kind of like you know what we did at Brentford investing in them and then going to Southampton you need to use this company you need to use this company you need to use this person let's try and see if we can actually kind of push the boundaries as to how you're going to operate your club so I think he's like I said less hands-on day-to-day and more kind of um, umbrella and using his satellite companies to plug into Southampton and what other clubs that they may, may they may buy. Um, I, I asked him actually as well if he's going to be Brentfording Southampton quite right up because obviously the thing is that Southampton, you know, this is no news to them. They use the stats from years back in the day. If you look at all the players that they signed, they've been doing exactly the same thing and left field managers that they've signed up, you know, but they sort of kind of lost their way a little bit recently um, for whatever reason that may be. And I was just wondering whether or not he's going to be getting them back on track. Um, and um, he says, you know, it will help him, of course, as much as, you, as he can in an operational way. So that will be, say, for example, buying and selling players. But he doesn't really want to deal with agents anymore because he's done enough of that in his time. So he'll be leaving that to the, the other people and the operations people. So that's just giving you an idea of what Rasmus's input will be with Southampton. Now, you, I mean, you're thinking that, obviously, you know, he, he's invested in Southampton, the first club, his little group. But there's going to be other teams that you think that he might be investing in, Laney, don't you? Yeah, um, you know, I've listened to a fair bit of comment about um, you know the Sports Republic and you know what they're what they're kind of be looking to do. Um, you know, he's got close links with 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 lots of clubs. I would have thought over the last few years with his with his dealings and his transfer dealings. You know, FC Mitterland is, is another club that you know he's very close to. Used to play for, um, was director of football there, um, was on the board there. Um, I would have thought that they're one that you know is close to his heart, and they've you know he's been part of that journey. He may be interested in in something there, but I mean I'm I'm piecing two and two and coming up with with seven, but you know it it it, it would make sense because you know if we're gonna push for European places, um, the the the. The ownership model at Brentford means that you know Benham wouldn't be able to to have two two teams playing in Europe 
um, that he owned. So um, he might have to get rid of one, and I'm hoping it's not the one that's in West London. We'll probably see him on Tuesday, somewhere around the ground, or maybe in town somewhere beforehand, because we're getting down there quite early. So uh, good luck with all your ventures, except for obviously when you play the Bees, and also obviously we hope that Southampton are not as high as the Bees either. So I hope you do quite well, but not very well, <laughs> just because that's a competitive nature. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing, pers- nothing, per- course, nothing personal, nothing personal. And he knows yeah. that as well. So, so coming back to the yeah. game anyway, look at Southampton. They're good at shooting from free kicks. Very good, in fact, actually. Creating chances through individual skill and stealing the ball from the opposition. Where they're weak is keeping possession of the ball, finishing their chances and protecting the lead. They attack down the left. They take long shots. They like a lot of shots and they're aggressive. The Allards? Mm, sounding good? It sounds like they're, so they're not so they're, they're good at stealing the ball, but they're not good at keeping the ball. That sounds like the ball's going to be turned over a lot. Um, I, yeah, I, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's, I think it's one of those tough games um, where I think we'll be very, very even. We, we played them in the cup, was it last year or the year before? Uh, last year, I think. Last and, year, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was an even game, wasn't it? I know we came out on top in the end, but they had plenty of chances. So I, I would expect it to be a similar sort of play out in a similar way. Right. So, and, and, and Laney, I mean, I mean Ward Prowse, top of their goals with five goals as well. You know, um, good player. Uh, a very good player, in fact. So, uh, you know, listen, they're, they're no mugs, you know, um, Southampton. They're a team that we need to be on our P's and Q's for. Uh, but saying that, like I said to you, I, I'm so buoyed by the fact that we have got Aya back in our side because the one thing that I just saw on Saturday, he's got this composure and, and it kind of just feeds in the rest of the team and the team feels so much composed when he's in the side, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, it, it, the fixtures come at a good time for us. Um, let's let's not beat around the bush. You know, we, we're we're stronger, um, and you know they're they're as as Matt said, they're they're already moaning about about lots. So um, I've got a feeling they don't want the game played. There may actually be a um, a push for for the game to get called off. So there there, there could be a there could be a like a, a, a change. I, I hope not because I think you know as I said, I think the fixture comes at a good time for us. We, uh, we we won with a bit of a stinky performance uh, last time out um, against Villa, and um, you know it's, it's, we've got we've got players coming back. So yeah, game on, get down there, enjoy it. Uh, Brentford to win two one for me. That's right, it's a two one win. Laney the Allards. Um, I agree with what you're saying about Aya. I think it would be good to have you know a right footed centre back playing there. So just to carry on, just to finish that point off. Um, and I think he'll make us much stronger. I think, for me, I'm, I'm thinking it will be a two-all draw. Okay, you're going two-all draw as well, and just coming back to it, because obviously you're mm. talking about, in the back, so you're talking about Aya, Pontus Janssen, and Ethan Pinnix, which is our regular back three. He's going to be in the back there as well with uh, Rico Henry and probably Sergi Canos um, creating the five at the back. Is that what you're thinking, uh, the Allot? Yeah, is, is Rico definitely back? I'm not yeah, so sure. Okay, well, uh, we'll see, yeah, we'll, we shall see. So, could, so yeah. you... you Canis on the left, Wurzlev okay. on the right. Right, and 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 in the midfield, what, what you're talking about? Because obviously we've got Norgard, you know, who's back after the injury, you know, so he kind of, you know, so he's back. What you're talking about in the midfield? Norgard, Jan out, and one other, which if you, you it might be Jensen or or it might well be Baptiste. Um, I, it probably depends how you want to how you see the game playing out. Right, okay, and obviously Mbumo is back. Uh, which is great after his hat trick. So we've got Mbumo and Ivan Tony up front, which is, uh, is a pretty strong side, as we would say. So you've gone for your two all draw. I'm going to go for 2 0 for the Mighty Bees. I'm actually going to say that the Aya is going to be a calming influence for us, and we'll be back to what we were like at the beginning 
of the season. So I'm looking forward to that. So anyway, so and Southampton, like I said to you, quite a few of us getting down there at lunchtime, I think it is, because we're absolutely potty for it. Going to be meeting uh, Pete the Artful Dodger down there, I think, Ian. The Davies is going to be down there as well. And all the Southampton fans will be in, you know, Bedford Place and wherever else there is to go to have lots of drinks. So uh, if you're down there early, come down there and meet us for a drink, as they say. So anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media. Very good Saturday in the FA Cup. Going to very much enjoy watching the Saturday now, knowing that we're in the hat and the draw when we're in the hat as well. Very much looking forward to Southampton on the Tuesday, and then we'll be doing our plotting up for Liverpool at the weekend. We'll have a podcast on Wednesday with the Liverpool chums who are going to be on that as well. So look forward to that. Like I said to you, my name's Billy Grant, and I'll be sitting here in the virtual joint with my man Laney. Good afternoon. I've also got the Allard in the house. Going bees. And we're very much looking forward to Southampton. Hopefully you can get some points at the table, as we should say, because we're very excited. We're going to go to the table, as we say. Come on, you bees. Going bees. You bees. The Saints by the water. You bees. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.